I'm proudly wrong about Cooper Cup. Cooper Cup has been good, one of the most impressive rookie wide receivers in the NFL. Vastly outproducing Corey Davis, Zay Jones, John Ross, Mike Williams. Go down the list of rookie wide receivers. Cooper Cup is dominating all of them, just like he dominated every college receiver last year and the year before that and the year before that and the year before that. I know it was at Eastern Washington and I called Cooper Cup a compiler, but his ability to dominate for four consecutive seasons at Eastern Washington, prolific for four seasons, matters. And not just at the wide receiver position, but also in special teams. One of the keys to better understanding Antonio Brown's potential at the next level was his special teams prowess in college. Cooper Cup did it all. He's just corny. And my criticism of him fell flat because it was not analytics-based. It was qualitative, not quantitative. If you trace back many of my incorrect opinions, you can see what happened. Fork in the road, and I chose the qualitative path instead of the quantitative path. Because we had John Moore on the show. John Moore, who originated the Phenom Index at Rotoviz, liked Cooper Cup, loved his prolific production, loved his special teams prowess, and I was dismissive and I was wrong, flat wrong. Look at Cooper Cup's metrics already this year, plus 19.3 production premium, so looking at every given down and distance, how much is Cooper Cup either exceeding or underperforming expectation, plus 19.3 is 32nd in the league, plus 15.7 target premium, 33rd in the league. Those are both impressive numbers, and the rank will rise as the wide receivers around the league log more reps, and more and more wide receivers cease to qualify for those metrics. You'll start to see Cooper Cup's efficiency creep into the top 25 and the top 20. Already, his yards per target is in the top 30, 8.9. Why? Because he's catching a lot of passes. You throw a pass in Cooper Cup's direction, he will catch it 66.7% catch rate. 66.7% contested catch rate. He has a knack for catching the football. That's just a knack that he has. It's a knack that Zay Jones does not have. Zay Jones, also a prolific producer, but only in his final season at ECU. Not a big-time special teams contributor. That's the difference. And now we're seeing Zay Jones near the top of the league in drops, low catch rate, essentially the opposite of Cooper Cup. Cooper Cup's a much less athletic version of Zay Jones, who's actually good at football. So in that way, they're not versions of each other at all. They're polar opposite players. As right as I was about Zay Jones, equally wrong about Cooper Cup. But that doesn't mean I have to like him. I don't like the cornball player wearing Spider-Man pajamas under his jersey. Please, you can't watch Cooper Cup without rolling your eyes. And that infected my analysis. Damn it! The big question is, did that infect my Deshaun Watson analysis? And I don't think it did because fundamentally Deshaun Watson lacks NFL caliber arm strength. That's something we can measure. That's not anecdotal. I will be paying very close attention to the Chiefs-Texans game this week. Deshaun Watson finally facing off against an above average defense for the first time since he was buried by the Cincinnati Bengals. So we'll see if he can get away with those flutter balls. Because the analysts reverse engineer their storytelling. If the pass is complete, he has great touch. If the pass is intercepted, his arm's too weak. So we will see if the narrative changes this week. But everyone who is running off to the extreme and anointing Deshaun Watson, the next great NFL quarterback, needs to pause. Just 
hit the pause button. Temper expectations. Chad Henney has multiple 400-yard games on his resume. Joey Harrington has a 400-yard game on his resume. Matt Flynn has a six-touchdown game on his resume. Go down the list. Vince Young, all these quarterbacks impressed in their rookie years. They posted multiple impressive performances as rookies. It's just that Deshaun Watson's two impressive performances came in back-to-back weeks. That's the only difference that I can tell. Because when you're in the moment, you lose perspective. We recently lost Tom Petty, one of my favorite artists. Tom Petty was a part of numerous projects, one of them the Traveling Wilburys. And it's interesting because his friend Jeff Lynn, who is ELO, Electric Light Orchestra is Jeff Lynn. And Jeff Lynn is Electric Light Orchestra. For whatever reason, he didn't want to call it the Jeff Lynn Band. He wanted to call it the Electric Light Orchestra. He didn't want to say it's Jeff Lynn and ELO, like Tom Petty was Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers. Jeff Lynn said, don't even put my name on the band. It's just Electric Light Orchestra. If you go back to the mid-70s, Electric Light Orchestra was it. It was the band. Music critics were calling Electric Light Orchestra the Beatles 2.0, if there was such a thing as the term 2.0 back then, which there was not. There was not version control of software in mainstream vernacular. But in the moment, in 1975, a lot of people around America, across America, believed that ELO was the next evolution of the Beatles, that they were making music that was superior to what the Beatles had produced. They were the next step on that evolutionary ladder. But now we have perspective. Now we can look back with a wider lens and say, oh no, 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 no one, no one, not even Jeff Lynn himself or Jeff Lynn's family would claim that ELO is better than the Beatles. It's absurd. But in the moment, when these innovative Beatles sounding songs are being released in the 70s, that was the analysis. So Jeff Lynn went from overrated to underrated. By the time he launched the Traveling Wilburys with Tom Petty and Bob Dylan and Roy Orbison, he was underrated at that point. You brought in Jeff Lynn if you wanted your shit to sound good. Song's not working and you want to get it played on the radio, bring in Jeff Lynn. He will fix it. And he helped Tom Petty construct the Full Moon Fever album, which is his signature career album. The maestro behind the scenes helped get the cadence to free fall and just right. And maybe one day, years from now, Deshaun Watson will be underrated as Jeff Lynn has now become underrated. Maybe. We'll see. Many quarterbacks have followed this overrated, underrated career path. Alex Smith certainly comes to mind. If Deshaun Watson has Alex Smith's career, given how unlikely sustained quarterback production and efficiency is at the NFL level, that should be considered a raging success. And as much buzz as we're hearing now about Deshaun Watson, you hear even more buzz about Tony Romo. Yes, Tony Romo. Tony Romo is a gift from God. He's a national treasure. 
That's the analysis. But Benjamin Albright disagrees. Oh, yes. Benjamin Albright writes on Twitter, I love Tony Romo and what he's doing in the booth, but it's only magic to people that don't understand the game. (laughs) I couldn't read that tweet with a straight face. I have no idea how Benjamin Albright wrote that tweet with a straight face. How'd he do it? How? How does someone write that tweet with a straight face? And then the predictable reply from Matt Miller from Bleacher Report. God, this is so true. Right? I mean. And thankfully, someone called Benjamin Albright out on the absurdity that he was sharing on Twitter. Harambi tweets, let's see you guys do it then. And Benjamin Albright quickly snaps back. I'll set up a periscope next week. Uh, No, you won't, Benjamin. No. Let's all pay attention to Benjamin Albright's periscope account this weekend to see if he actually follows through, which he won't because he can't do what Tony Romo is doing. Because Rich Gannon, who played quarterback in the league, can't do what Tony Romo's doing. Because Trent Green, who played quarterback in the league, can't do what Tony Romo's doing. Because Steve Berline, who played quarterback in the league, can't do what Tony Romo's doing. Because Troy Aikman, who played quarterback in the league with the Cowboys, can't do what Tony Romo is doing. Those are actual NFL quarterbacks, not self-important sports gas bags that utterly lack a sophisticated understanding of NFL football. Benjamin Albright, please. Tony Romo is a national treasure, and the only individual who is justified criticizing him is Jim Nance, who hates Tony Romo, clearly and understandably. But that wasn't even the tweet I objected to most this weekend. The tweet I objected to most came from Bill Barnwell, of all people. Bill Barnwell, who I respect. Bill Barnwell, who shows up in, yes, of all places, the playerprofiler.com terms glossary. Because Bill Barnwell originated speed score. And no, Bill Barnwell has not reached out to me on Twitter, upset about player profiler's use of the metric speed score in the workout metrics. We're still waiting on Bill Barnwell's indignance there. I'm guessing because he's secure in his position in this industry that he hasn't given it any thought, nor should he. And I don't think he gave this tweet much thought either. Roger Sherman, reporting from the Titans game, wrote, The Texans just ran an option pitch for a touchdown, which gives them six college football points because that play doesn't work in the NFL. And Bill Barnwell writes back, And now a 34-yard Marcus Mariota touchdown out of the read option, which was a Chip Kelly gimmick NFL defenses figured out years ago. Well, Bill, the Titans don't run the Chip Kelly offense. The Chip Kelly system was a schematic gimmick that you would just give the quarterback two plays, a run-pass option. And depending on the look the defense gives you, the quarterback either throws a pass out of that formation or hands the ball off out of that formation. And very quickly, NFL defenses realized, oh, wow, Chip Kelly's not a play-calling genius at all. In fact, his system is way too simple for the NFL. When they talk about Chip Kelly's system being a college system, it has nothing to do with the read option component. It has everything to do with the ultra-simplistic run-pass option play calling that was the hallmark of the Chip Kelly offense. 
and the read option has been working against NFL defenses for 70 years, Bill, and that's not going to change. It doesn't work when you try to run the read option with Nick Foles, who runs a 5-2-5-40 time. Then, Bill, the read option will not catch NFL defenses off guard. And the read option offense that Washington ran with Robert Griffin III has absolutely been solved by NFL defenses. You can no longer simply run a read option only offense. No one would do that. You can't win with that system. When we talk about the read option being solved, it's referring to the read option as the fundamental base formation of the offense. No teams run a read option offense, but they do call read option plays to catch the defense off guard, especially when the quarterback is Marcus Mariota, who runs a 4-5-2-40. So when fast quarterbacks... From Marcus Mariota to Dak Prescott to even Alex Smith and Andrew Luck run a well-timed read option and catch the defense flat-footed, then absolutely it's going to work because the read option leverages analytics. It tilts the math in favor of the offense. If the defense does not know if the quarterback will run or pass, it gives the offense a significant advantage. Every offense run by an athletic quarterback should run the read option four or five times per game. But that's not what the NFL defenses solved, Bill. They never have solved it and they never will solve it. Why? Because math. And I believe NFL defenses will have a difficult time solving Jarek McKinnon. Why? Because math. Because Jarek McKinnon is the best athlete at the running back position in the NFL today. He was efficient in his rookie season, in his sophomore season in the NFL. Then he was inefficient in a season in which the Vikings offensive line experienced more devastating injuries than any other offensive line in football. The offense collapsed around a quarterback that showed up the day before the first game started. So it's no surprise that Jarek McKinnon underwhelmed last season. Running backs are allowed to underwhelm for a season. Le'Veon Bell underwhelmed for a season. Matt Forte underwhelmed for a season. LaDainian Tomlinson underwhelmed for a season in which he ran for 3.9 yards per carry. It happens. And in particular, in the case of Jarek McKinnon, we can explain it. It's easily rationalized. So I think if Jarek McKinnon is installed as the primary running back behind an offensive line that for the first time in his time as the primary back is not the worst in football, Jarek McKinnon will excel. Jarek McKinnon would be a top 20 running back in the NFL if he were bequeathed the primary back role and given a 60% opportunity share. That's not going to happen. The Vikings signed Latavius Murray to protect themselves in the event of this exact event occurring, the loss of Dalvin Cook. So they will default to starting Latavius Murray. That is going to happen. But my position is that's a failure in self-scouting and that Jarek McKinnon will be more efficient with his touches in the weeks ahead and he has a chance to seize that job away from Latavius Murray as the season progresses and we get into the fantasy football playoffs. And I want to talk to Dave Richard about this. Dave Richard from CBS Sports is going to be joining us for a pop-in segment. Not one of our elongated, hour-long interviews, just a pop-in where we ask him a series of contrived dichotomies, our favorite segment on the show. But before we talk to Dave, you need to go to draft. Get draft. Get together with three of your friends or six of your friends or eight of your friends and just launch a one-week draft league. 
in an hour, the three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve of you can participate in a snake draft, iterate through the players. Everyone can have unique lineups. It's like playing in a unique fantasy league every single week. And when you go to sign up for draft, either by going to the app store on your mobile device and searching draft or go to playdraft.com, when you log in for the first time, be sure to use the promo code UNDERWORLD to get free entry into your first draft contest. Now, let's go talk to Dave Richard. He's the senior writer for CBS Fantasy. Follow him at Dave Richard on Twitter. Welcome to the Roto Underworld Radio program, Dave Richard. That's right, at Dave Richard on Twitter. Follow him if you're not following him already. Showtime Dave Richard, that's my nickname for him, Showtime Dave. <laughs> that's what my wife calls me. Yeah, well, there it is, yes. So, Do I call you Matt or do I call you the Podfather? Do I call you... Well, either Fantasy Mansion is fine or the Podfather or Matt Kelly. It's my full name. There's way too many Matts. So I'm Matt Kelly. I Actually, do. I went to school with a handful of Matt Kellys. You do not. You don't want to go by Matthew. I take it. Uh, Matthew's just a little too much. It's a little too much. Gotcha. I carry myself in a sort in a in a in a pretentious way. You know, I, I I like the finer things in life. So I try to soften it with a Matt. The Matthew would just be too much. It would just be too much. So you're the kind of you, you skip over like the basic brands of ice cream in your grocer's freezer and go straight to the fancy gelato. That's like oh, we're all. But I just had gel- yes, I had gelato last night. My daughter and I were were indulging in some gelato last night. Absolutely, some pistachio gelato, delicious. Well, you are definitely a man of fine taste, then. <laughs> yes, well, the the ice cream versus gelato debate really answers it. And I have some other contrived dichotomies for you. In the NFL, essentially the ice cream or gelato question with a handful of running backs, a handful of wide receivers, a few quarterbacks, a few tight ends. So you just have to answer one or the other and provide an explanation. If you like, you don't have to. That's optional. I can literally just say the guy's name and that's it. You could. You could. It depends. A lot of people have takes they want to get out, though, Dave. A lot of people have takes built up on players that they haven't had a chance to write an article about or they haven't had a chance to tweet yet. And sometimes these questions inspire you to expel a take that you had built up. Okay. So now if if you want the take, I'm happy to give it to you, Matt Kelly, but... I want to know if it's for this week or for the rest of the season or the rest of their lives. It can be any of the three. We have a lot of dynasty heads that listen to the cool. show. A lot of people that listen to the show do have 10 to 15 MFL 10 rosters. But also, you can never go wrong talking about the matchup, right? That's the first rule in fantasy football. After opportunity is king, the second rule is default to matchup Match- talk and you'll be fine. For sure. That I'm I haven't been around very long in this industry, but I can tell you those two things I've learned. So here we go. Kareem Hunt or Le'Veon Bell. Oh, it starts hard. Oh, here we go. <laughs> I, I'm ready to go with this. It's Le'Veon. Now listen, if, it, if it's Dynasty, it's Hunt. But I don't know how many people really needed to hear that who's in the Dynasty. They can figure out the rookie running back and the running back that's been around for a bunch of years. But I like Le'Veon. I think he's I think he's righteous. Nice. Latavius Murray, here we go. See, it's already getting interesting. I'm trailing off Latavius Murray, dot, 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 or Isaiah Crowell. Oh, they're gross. Uh, But I guess I have to put more of my blind faith into Latavius Murray and his opportunity versus Isaiah Crowell's and his dwindling chances. It feels like he's 
losing his crow-like grip on the uh, football field. Duke Johnson's day is coming in Cleveland. We've been waiting for this for years, actually, and it is going to happen this season. I'm predicting it. The sky has opened up for Latavius Murray, and you have to bet on the potential that with a top-five run-blocking unit, Latavius Murray can be a productive asset on a fantasy team in a way that Isaiah Crowell has not been this year. Well, I think it goes back to what you said. First and foremost, opportunity matters the most. And that's, right. that's a word I've been saying a lot lately, and it's so important for fantasy. And we know Dalvin Cook has gone for the year. We know that Jarek McKinnon isn't 100%. And when he's been given opportunities in the past, he hasn't done well. So you've got to assume Latavius Murray around 15 touches per game. I don't know if he's going to slug it up and, you know, be the, the type of running back that has to just fall backwards into the end zone in order to make his fantasy owners jump with glee. <laughs> but I, 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 I buy into the opportunity. This week, I think the matchup is okay. Chicago's okay. Defensive, at least their front seven is okay. And I'm with you on the Vikings' offensive line. Um, although I think Dalvin made them look a little bit better than they actually are. Very true. Such a great instinctual runner that he was able to roll up more yards blocked than the average running back just because his instincts were so good. And I'm not sure Latavius can do those things. Right, and that's the problem with both Latavius Murray and Jarek McKinnon, who we'll get to, is that they're not the instinctual savant runners that Dalvin Cook is and was. Uh, past tense. Anyway, dynasty in a vacuum for their career. Who oh, would you okay. rather have, Aaron Jones or Jamal Williams? Oh, In a oh. dynasty league, I'm ready to go with Jones. Yes! That's the correct answer. Correct answer sound for Dave Richard. Thank you. Thank you. No analysis necessary. We just all we needed. We're moving on. Alex Collins or Wayne Gallman? For Dynasty? No, just in general. Whatever context you want. Alex Collins or Wayne Gallman because they're the same guy. You decide the context and what you want to say about these two guys. I think for, for this week and I guess for the rest of the season, let's go with it with Collins. And Gallman just needs chances. I don't know if he's going to get lots and lots of them this week. It looks like some... Some uh, other Giants running backs who have previously stunk it up are going to come back and ruin Wayne Gallman's happy moment against the Los Angeles Chargers. Alex Collins has a smoother path to touches than Wayne Gallman, and at least Baltimore has a history of a competent running game. I'm not going to overstate it. Merely a competent running game, unlike the Giants, who you have to go back to Tiki Barber to find a true star running back and Brandon Jacobs to find a running back that was even fantasy viable. So I'm agreeing with you, Alex Collins. But it's close. I mean, it's very close this week for the season. I mean, they're right there. They're the same guy, both in terrible situations. Jarek McKinnon or Chris Thompson? I already decided after you said Jarek McKinnon that I'm going with the other guy. Oh, dude! Ouch! Oh! It would have been tougher for me, though, if you if you were going to go with somebody else. But I'm going to say Thompson. I didn't... McKinnon has been given chance after chance after chance, and uh, Matt Kelly, they should tell you, it should tell you that McKinnon finished last year as the main back in Minnesota. They then signed Latavius Murray and traded up in the draft for Dalvin Cook. I think you know what the Viking, how the Vikings feel about Jay McKay. I'm not sure, because the Browns have tried to marginalize Duke Johnson going as far as converting him to wide receiver, and he just wasn't having it, Dave. 
His talent would not allow them to marginalize him. And I think that Jarek McKinnon may have a similar story to Duke Johnson. You mentioned last season, he closed out the season with an incredible 110-yard, two-touchdown performance against Chicago with nine evaded tackles. And this was behind the most injured, beleaguered offensive line in the league last season. I think he needs an opportunity. I don't think he's going to get it this week. I think he's going to be involved in the passing game only. So I think it's very much a Duke Johnson-like stash and hope that the touches come. But if we're betting on players in week five... Absolutely, Chris Thompson. Chris Thompson's going to regress in a massive way. I mean, you should have tr- you you should have you, you you should have sold high on him already. Sure, sure. The regression is coming because you just a satellite back that's 190 pounds cannot sustain that level of production. But Kirk Cousins loves him, and that's what matters. We don't know how active Jarek McKinnon is going to be in the passing game. We hope very active, but we know what we have with Chris Thompson. You got to go with Chris Thompson there. I can't believe I just said that. I wasn't ready to say that, but I just said it. I know. Yeah. It's pretty incredible. Yeah. Don't, don't forget that Jerry McKinnon only weighs like 200, 205 pounds himself. So. But he did break the record for the bench press at the NFL Scouting Combine. I always have a yeah, but. I will always have a yeah, but for Jerry <laughs> McKinnon. Always, always, always. It's in my back pocket. I pull out the card. It says yeah, but. I put it on the table. I'm still picking Chris Thompson. Now, next one. Jarvis Landry, Devontae Parker. Oh! Ooh, that's a tricky one. Yes, it is. Do you like targets or do you like efficiency? Ooh. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go with efficiency. I'm going to say Landry, especially in the PPR league. You know those are leagues where catches count? Yes, I'm aware. Yes, yes, yes. Devontae Parker is where I would otherwise go. Do you, do you, by the way, do you get a feeling that Jay Cutler sucks? I do, but I want to see him this week. I want to see okay. him against a truly soft pass defense. He hasn't had an opportunity to throw passes against a truly soft pass defense yet. I'd like him to have an opportunity to light it up against Tennessee. And by lighting it up, I mean lighting it up with a marble red on the sideline <laughs> with his feet up, relaxing in a... 35 to 17 win. I would love to see that because I really want Devontae Parker and Kenny Stills to have big weeks. These are good players. I like these players. I want them to do well. So by extension, I have to cheer for Jay Cutler, and that's painful. If he stinks this week. Oh, it's over. Get out of here. How badly are you going to rip him? Get out of here. No. No more Jay Cutler. I mean, he'll be cut in even the deepest rosters if he doesn't perform this week. This is literally, well, not literally, but figuratively a do-or-die week for Jay Cutler. Now, Alvin Kamara, get ready. I'm ready. Get ready, Dave. I don't know if you're ready for this. Brace yourself. Alvin Kamara or Christian McCaffrey? McCaffrey. You answered that pretty quickly. Alvin Kamara's been better. Mm. I'm still ready to roll with Drew Brees. Still going to chase that draft capital? You sure? Well, yeah. Yeah, I'm okay. <laughs> yeah, I'm yeah. Good no, I like that. that. Yeah, actually, yeah. Okay, here we go. This is a good one. This is a good one. No, no, no. no. I got to go. No, you know, it's fine. Because you asked me the question five times. Yeah, I do the same trick with my kids. Like, they'll, they'll do, like, work assignment at home, and they'll ask me to check it for them. And right. Are, are you sure that 8 times 3 is 112? Yeah, Dad. Are, are you really sure? <laughs> uh, no. <laughs> they realized that by me asking the question six or seven times, that uh, they're dead wrong. Mom, dad's mind fucking me. Right? Next one. Go. Charles Clay or Delaney Walker? Can't believe we're having this conversation, but we are. 
I was about to say the exact thing, but Charles Clay has yes. basically become what Delaney Walker used to be, which is the number one receiver in his offense. Bingo. That was it. You said exactly what I was thinking. I love it when we're just we're on the same wavelength. Eric Ebron or Austin Safarian Jenkins. See, this is when you make the noise to go, oh, because Ooh, this one's like that one. tough and tricky and crappy. This one's crappy. This is, this is a crappy question you've asked me, Matt Kelly. Sorry. For this week, I'm, I'm going to go with ASJ. Yes, there it is. There it is. Yes, ASJ. It's okay to believe, man. He made a comeback. My uncle was an alcoholic, and he made a comeback. Anyone can make this comeback. Cheer for ASJ. 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 Carson Palmer or Carson Wentz? Palmer this week. Wentz rest of season. I think you nailed it. That's it. You have to play Palmer this week. What What about Dynasty? Hmm. Yeah, right. Yeah, I don't know about Dynasty. Let me think. I don't know. One guy's washed. One guy's ascending. One guy's really old. One guy's really young. No, but I think this week you got to play Palmer. It's an exceptional matchup, and all they're doing is throwing. Bruce Arians has decided no David Johnson, no running game, no problem. We're just going to throw. I don't think Bruce Arians decided that. I think Kerwin Williams and Chris Johnson decided that. Ooh, yes. Good point. Because those guys are Rico. They're they are not good. Although Bruce Arians thought this week about, well, Chris Johnson is finally getting into game shape, and we're starting to see a little bit more from him. He had a couple of runs called back last week. That's right. Well, Chris Johnson looks like Le'Veon. Chris Johnson's on that Le'Veon Bell conditioning path, right? I mean, Chris Johnson's going to be Le'Veon Bell soon enough. Which might mean soon he'll be good for 50 yards a game instead of 30 yards a game. That's right. Yeah, proportionally, exactly. I'm excited. This week, Dave, this week, Jacoby Brissett or Deshaun Watson? Oh, Watson. Sure about that? I thought you were going to go McCown Brissett on me. Well, Jacoby Brissett's playing San Francisco. That's true. Deshaun Watson's playing Kansas City. Just a reminder, just looking at the schedule. You sure about that? Final answer. Three answer. Watson over Brissett. Okay. Final question. Get you out of here on this. Thank you to Showtime Dave Richard, senior writer, CBS Fantasy. Final question. Cardinals J. Brown or Cardinals J. Brown? Uh, uh, I'm going to go with... Jaron this week. Love it. Why do you love Jaron Brown? Because he's the healthiest of the three right now, and he's getting lots of targets, and he's actually not that bad when he's not tearing his ACL. Yeah, when he's healthy, Jerron Brown has been productive. The problem is, going all the way back to his time in college, he's had very few opportunities to show off his productivity. And this year, he has 29 targets. He's getting 10 targets a game. He's getting 10 targets a game. Jerron Brown is getting 10 targets a game, Dave! He's getting 10 targets a game. Jerron Brown is getting 10 targets a game, Dave!
I'll tell you one problem with both of those Jay Browns, though, and that is that once Carson Palmer's arm breaks off of his body or his legs break off his body, some appendage is going to break off of Carson Palmer because he's taking so many hits. That's when all of these Cardinals receivers are going to get flushed because Palmer's the real key, and I don't know if he's going to make it. I hate to say it. You don't want to predict that type of doom and gloom, but... Hot take. Thank you to Dave Richard. Is it Richard or Richard? It's Richard, right? Brian Hoyer or Josh McCown? No, 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 Cancel that. Cancel that. I have a much better question. Get that, that, throw that question out. The judges, that was a, that was a shit question. Get out of here with that question. You know, I'm going to play the equation out in my head. The take equation. What's the upside downside if I, you know, back off? What's the upside downside if I go all in? You know, it's kind of like you're at the poker table, and I'm like, yeah, I'm gonna. I think I'm. I think I'm actually all in on this, just because you know the pot odds, right? Like the 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 pot has become so has grown. I have so many. I've, I've just hammered Watson so long. I, I have him on a weaker hand than I think that you know it, that the the rest of the table thinks. So I'm like, okay, I'm betting again. God, I'm going to bet again. God damn it, I'm, I'm doing this. We're doing this. Oh, man. I folded cup. That was my that was my big weight waving of the flag moment because I was just like, you know what? I got to take my hat off to him. Well, I, I think Cup, uh, I think he's going to catch a lot of passes, be a little too touchdown dependent. But I think he'll be okay. Yeah, I mean, what are you going to do, man? You know, he's got a great feel, and that je ne sais quoi, he has that thing that, like, a Zay Jones didn't have. And they both put up epic counting stats. Um, Zay Jones was a better athlete, but as it turns out, Cup's a better football player. So that's just, you know, we have to see it on the NFL field. You know, try to get 55-45 right, and then those 45, eh, try to deconstruct to try to figure out, you know, What's going on there? Uh, that's always fun. Gets harder and harder every year. And this year, it's crazy. I think it does. It used to be a lot easier. But I, I, I like the challenge of it all. Oh, shit, man. Yeah, I know. You're, you're like seven, eight years too late. Mom, Dad's mind-fucking me.